When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Oregon State Beavers fall 37-34 in overtime at Colorado. And because of that, the Beavers have fired defensive coordinator Tim Tibisar. Those are the main topics here today on the Beaver Banter Podcast. I am Aaron Fentress here along with Nick Daschle, who is the Beavers beat reporter for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. Nick, you were there. You were in Colorado. We're going to talk about that game because I still can't believe they lost that one, especially after losing to Cal. But the results, the firing of Coach Tibisar, did you see that coming? Was it deserved? Uh, no, I didn't exactly see it coming. I mean, it's not surprising, but yeah, it was probably justified. The, the defense over the past, say, four games just just wasn't just hadn't been very good and they were hoping for some improvement this season there was times when it it showed up early in the season especially against the run but of late they've just had all sorts of trouble stopping the pass and they've been horrific on third down and i think jonathan just came to the conclusion that uh you know the season is still out there to be had a, a, you know a good a good record a bowl game even as far-fetched as it sounds, a you know, Pac-12 North title, still all out there for Oregon State. But they, something's got to turn around, and, and I think the hope now is with Trent Bray taking over as defensive coordinator, he'll bring in a, a spark that, that wasn't there under Tim Tibisar. So here's my question in situations like this. was Were his schemes the issue? Was his – preparation the play calling like what what was he doing so wrong that by moving him out you expect to be better well I mean sometimes it's just I mean he'd been there four years sometimes it's just it could be as simple as players hearing a new voice I mean and there's nobody that's more energetic on that staff than Trent Bray I mean that guy during practice, he will do dead sprints from one side of one sideline to the other, running faster than the players. <laughs> sometimes, I mean, he's he is he is a he's a jolt of energy. I you know I I'm not I can't say this you know whether the schemes were working or not. I mean that those are you know video session breakdowns. I just know they weren't getting to the quarterback. And the quarterback was having way too much time finding open receivers. And it just got to be such a mess. Early, like I said, early in the year, they were getting to the quarterback some. And they were making tackles beyond the line of scrimmage. But they they were giving the opposing quarterback, especially the last two weeks, way too much time to throw. And even, even a freshman like Colorado's quarterback – you give guys like that time, they're going to find good receivers. And Colorado's got good receivers now. They've they've got Chenault back, and Rice is in rhythm. You know, they just it it it, it, it was it was time. If the season, if this had been like a three and five record, maybe you wait till the end of the year. But five and four, 
I mean, there's still a possibility of doing some big things this year, and I think the change was warranted. So Bray, former Oregon State linebacker, uh, played at, or coached at Arizona State, Oregon State, then went to Nebraska, and now he's back at Oregon State. You, you talk about his energy and everything like that, but do you know what he's going to do schematically that's going to be different, or is this just about new voice, light a fire, and hope that helps? Yeah, I don't see – I do not see you know, big scheme changes. It's just, there's just not enough time to do anything. You can't just throw everything out and start over. I think it's just going to be more you know, minor philosophical – uh, you know, changes, maybe third down, the approach is a little different. They certainly, I would certainly think they're going to, they're going to attack the quarterback a little different, uh, bring more pressure. It seemed like Saturday, the few times they brought pressure, they, they had good success against Brendan Lewis, mm-hmm. but they, they don't, they don't do it a lot. And you know, that, I know that drives Beaver fans crazy. You know, <laughs> I, they, I mean, a lot of them think, you know, blitzing is a success to get into a quarterback, which, right. you know, is only a, a piece of the puzzle. Uh, you know, you give up a lot of things when you blitz, but I, I think there will be some changes on third down. You know, Trent's been a line, obviously played linebacker at Oregon State. He, you know, he's been a linebacker coach all his life. His dad is a former off, a defensive coordinator, coordinator at Oregon State. Um, long time secondary and uh, defensive coach. So, you know, the bloodlines are there. Trent's 39. You know, his time, his time is now. I mean, this is, this is, you know, Jonathan kind of shoved aside my question today, whether this was an audition, you know, for him to be the permanent guy, because, you know, obviously they're focused on Stanford, Arizona State, and Oregon. But I mean, it really is. I mean, if the defense turns around, hard to, you know, hard to not give Trent a, a shot at being the, being the, having the job for real. So, um, you know, we'll see how this thing plays out in the next three weeks. And you guys weren't able to talk to players today, right? No, that's tomorrow and and uh, okay. and Wednesday. And and Trent is available on Wednesday. So, okay. uh, right. All right. So. New defensive coordinator, new direction there. Um, they they certainly on paper could use some help because they just lost. Now, you and I were pretty much like, okay, Cal, Colorado, they should win both at the very least because the Pac-12 is wacky as it is. You know, maybe they get upset in one. Who knows? But how, how shocked are you that they lost both of these games, 39-25? And Cal, I mean, and here's where you could say, obviously, that the decision to uh, fire him makes sense because Cal's offense is not good, and you you lost thirty nine twenty four, and Colorado's offense is even worse, and you lost thirty seven thirty four in overtime. Just I, I mean, how much of a blow is this to everything Oregon State maybe hoped to accomplish as they sat with five wins after beating Utah, which looks like by far the best team in the South. Well, I I don't want to sound like you know Beaver apologist here. But with with Cal, Cal played as well as they can possibly play. And the one thing that that you know we undersold was Cal's six year quarterback. I mean, when he's right and he's healthy, he's pretty good. But he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been healthy a lot in his career. And 
and he's got a lot of experience. So, and they just, and they played well. And, and that wasn't, and that game wasn't like it was Oregon State was going in and, and as the dominant favorite. It was a, it was close to a pick 'em game. Colorado, on the other hand, man, I mean, talk about your underperforming teams this year. They, they returned their entire offensive line and, you know, their, the Pac 12 offensive player of the year, uh, running back. They just haven't got it together. And finally, Carl Durrell fired his offensive line coach a couple of weeks ago, brought in a new guy. And boy, it's like, it's, it's, you know, they obviously they weren't in the, in the game with Oregon, but they showed, but they showed some life on that side of the ball, which they hadn't shown all season. And then they just continued against Oregon State. You know, Oregon State got off to another one of their slow starts and Colorado, it was a recipe for, an upset for sure because Colorado scored on the first two possessions. That's all you got to do to give an underdog hope is, is to give them a quick lead and you know, let them think they could play with you. And that's an Oregon state never really, never really got in a position where they could drop the hammer on, on Colorado. And you know, it's one of those situations you're there in the fourth quarter with, you know, in a close game, you're playing at home, you got 46,000 people there. It just didn't line up for Oregon state. What do you think the biggest, aside from giving them hope, et cetera, et cetera, what do you think the biggest problem was? I mean, clearly the defense letting them score, but was there anything specific? You know, nobody was great. It just Chance Nolan, he threw too many. He threw 38 passes and completed 20. He 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 just what he was he was wild with a lot of passes. He he would he was nowhere near great even. Any uh, the running game, they had 222 yards, but I felt like man, Colorado made them earn every every yard of those um, Saturday. Um, you know, even the kicker, you know, Everett Hayes kicks a 60 yarder, but he but he misses two field goals, including one in the second overtime. It's Nobody really stepped up and made and took ownership of that game, and and it just they they you need somebody to do something big, and they just didn't get it from and the defense too. They just didn't get anything from anybody really, and um, so here we are, five and four with three games to go. Um, okay, before before we get to what this all means. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's nothing, nothing that could be said about <clears throat> they got out to the early start or this happened or that happened can excuse what the defense did in that game to me. Like it's, it's just, it, it was pretty ugly. I, I was pretty shocked The you know, as much as, I mean, full disclosure, I was covering the Blazers that night. So I watched part of the game. Then I went back and watched some of it later, but that's the Colorado is averaging 19 points per game. They're bad and blame the defensive coordinator, all people want, but I, I just, part of me feels like Oregon state is just maybe coming down to earth and we oversold them based on how they played early and getting wins over USC and Washington, which have turned out to be two extremely mediocre teams. And that really the only big win this program has this year is the Utah one. And now they're coming back down to earth. Am I wrong? 
No, in, in fact, you know that was another thing I, I talked. I've talked to Jonathan with, uh, last couple of days. Is you know our team starting to catch up with what you're doing? And and he said, well, I mean, he kind of agreed to to a degree. You know, we're eight games, no, nine games into the year. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of video out there. Teams are coming out, and they and they're scheming to stop what we do best. And and so this is where as coaches. They've got to come up with some counters to all this stuff. And so we'll see these next three games, whether they have, you know, whether they are able to, you know, counter what, what, or what the opposing defenses are doing to their running game. I mean, it's not like the running game is terrible. It's just, it's not the home run big play threat that it, that it was early in the season. And if, and if you can't make, and if you're not able to make a, a defense pay by hitting, open receivers and they had some open receivers and chance Nolan just, I mean, there was, there was at least two or three touchdowns out there that were just begging to be had and he just couldn't hit the receiver. Um, so, you know, at some point it's a combination of, you know, coaches coming up with the right counter and, and players got to make plays. If, if you want to, if you want to get to where you want to get, you, you, you got to make plays. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I know it's simple, but that's really what it comes down to. I don't think that, you know, I don't think we overrated them that much. It's just over the course of the season, you got to be nimble enough to, you know, come up with some, you know, moves because everybody's got coaches. Every, you know, they, they all watch, they all watch video. I mean, they, they, they can see what you're doing. Um, so you, you better be ready to pivot and, 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 and do something a little differently sometimes. Sometimes, especially in college sports, what you see early from a team could actually be upsets. And then later you, you discover that later. At the time, when the record looks good, you think, oh, man, these guys are good. But maybe those were all upsets. And later they're going to reveal who they really are. Really are. And that's what's, what's sort of just what I wonder right now. Um, but they did beat Utah. Utah's a good team. And I would expect them to beat Stanford this week, but right now I'm like scared to death <laughs> trying to pick that game because of what I've seen the past two weeks. What do you think any of this means moving forward beside the possible jolt in the arm from the new defensive coordinator? We'll see. But what do you think what do you think this means for the team moving forward? Because right now you gotta get one of the next three just to be a, a bowl team. And a few weeks ago we were wondering if they could finish with eight wins. That seems completely out of the realm of possibility. But what do you think the rest of the season looks like for this team moving forward? Well, I mean, if you're if you're picking the game, just strictly picking the game, you, you would go. How on earth could you pick Stanford to win, just based on what they've done the last several weeks? I mean, they they they're, they they were just totally inept Friday night. They don't have their regular quarterback. They're missing a few other guys. They can't. They're, they're number one twenty-seven out of one thirty in stopping the run. Sounds they're, like they're, Colorado, though. <laughs> no, no, these guys are actually worse than Colorado. Colorado actually has a few guys. These guys—they're just stopping anything. And I, but I, they but again, I, I, but I agree that uh, well. Right, but they also had a quarterback at the time that could move the ball. That they, when you're when you're going three and out every time and putting your defense out there, eventually, you know it's disaster. But um, in any case, I've lost my train of thought there. But, but oh, but anyway, with Stanford, 
Yeah, I mean, Oregon State has just got to – they've got to get back to figuring out how to run the ball effectively and hit some big plays. And if they can't do it this week against Stanford, I mean, it, it, this this is kind of – I think this is I mean, this is the make or break it game. I mean, I, you you could make a strong case if they don't beat Stanford this week, they're going 5-7 and seven and staying home in December um, because – Beat Arizona State, you know who knows what their sh- what shape they'll be in in two weeks. They 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 beat USC last week, but they they seem to be really inconsistent. Um, you know they're not going to be easy, and and Oregon certainly, is, especially if Oregon's got things to play for, uh, won't won't be won't be easy either. So I, I could see them going five and seven if they don't win this game Saturday. You mentioned a little bit too much passing for them. Ton of attempts for was it thirty eight for um chance no one yeah twenty of thirty eight. Do you think that they should have even though they got behind early and there were some other op- situations where they passed? You think they should have just stuck with the run more often, or are you just saying overall that's just not a recipe for success for them? They have to be run dominant regardless. Well, when they when they've been I mean when they've been at their best, they've they've thrown the ball fifteen to twenty times a game because they they've been running roughly 70 to 75% of the time on their, on their running plays. Um, now I would also say in, in the case of Colorado and I'd have to, I have to call up the, the box here, but I believe they, they ran an awful lot of plays on Saturday. I mean, they, they did run for 200 and they ran for 220 yards. So they, they ran a lot of plays. They ran, well, they ran 81 plays. So they were, um, a little bit, they ran the ball a little bit more than they passed it. So, you know, like I said, there were a lot of plays, but still, thirty-eight passes from Oregon State is 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 too much for this for this team. They've got it. They've got, and then they also, you know, the time of possession is a big deal for Oregon State too. They did have a slight edge in that category, but you know, part of it is because Colorado was so darn deficient with their with their offense. You know, Oregon State had the ball probably more than you would have thought. So yeah, I don't. And then, you know, another thing that keeps coming up is, okay, you know, chance Nolan, here we go again. He's not real. He's not all that effective. What's the, you know, why not take a look at Sam Neuer? Why not take a look even at Sam Vidlak, the the freshman and, you know, Jonathan, he's, he's, he's behind his guy. You know, he thinks chances, you know, he had, he, he didn't have, he had a few bad throws, but, he thinks he's pretty effective, so he's staying with his guy. You are listening to Beaver Banter, and we'll be right back after a quick break. Let's talk about uh, Everett Hayes. He had an interesting evening. He missed a potential tying field goal at the end of regulation uh, or near the end of regulation from, was it 51? I think it was 50, I believe, but he might be, might be right on the, on the 51. Right it was uh, 51 yarder. Yeah. 51 yeah. yarder with 32. But that's right. The drive was no 32 on the clock. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, Right, it, it was. And then they got was, the ball back. Was. They magically got the ball back. Colorado <laughs> TV showed Colorado with like six people lined across the front of the end zone, 
And I was like, okay, well, they're praying for the Hail Mary, but they just gave away, right, an easy, like, quick pass for nine yards uh, to Anthony Gould. Gould. And that put him in range for a 60-yarder, which even then, and again, I, I don't know, I don't know Hayes' history. I imagine Hayes has hit 60-yarders in, in practice, or you probably wouldn't try this. But they tried him out after he missed the 51-yarder, and he nailed the 61-yarder, and it cleared by a lot. Uh, before we get to overtime, like, just what did you think of that entire sequence situation? It's very unusual to attempt a game-tying field goal with 32 seconds on the clock and get it back and in any type of re- reasonable uh, field position to have a chance at anything that might have a chance to make it, let alone actually make it from that distance. Yeah, I, I don't know what Colorado was thinking there. I mean, there's five seconds left. The ball's at at, at midfield. I, I I guess they thought, you know. They the thought Hail Mary was coming. Well, they, they thought that, but I guess they must have thought we were better off protecting against a Hail Mary than the possibility of a of a quick sideline throw and a and a chance to tie the game. Um, I mean, I thought there was only one option. I, I thought I thought for sure they were going to throw a sideline pass. They had the two guys over on the one side. And, and I, I mean, five seconds, you can get a pass off and, and still have a second left, which is exactly what Oregon State did. It was, it was a great play. But even at that, I mean, Everett Hayes has kicked some 60-yarders in practice. Yeah, it's a tough kick. I mean, even, even, even an elevation, you know, it's still a tough kick and man, he just, I mean, that was a, it was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, like you said, it yeah, he, it, it was with five yards to spare at least. And, um, but you know, the thing is as much as you want to give the kid props, he misses a 37 yarder and double overtime when they desperately need him to, you know, to come through again, you need a player to make a play. He didn't do it, and then he, you know the the fifty one yarder in you know f- during the fourth quarter, while not an easy kick, really wasn't all that close. And so, you know, it was it's it was it, it was definitely a mixed for 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 the for the kicking for the kicker, and you know special teams once again for the second week in a row. You know, spotty spotty performance when they needed some somebody to step up and be great. Yeah, they missed a thirty. Well, they, they exchanged touchdowns, and then uh, Hayes missed a thirty-eight yarder yeah. in the second overtime, and then Colorado made a forty-three yarder to win the game. Uh, did, did Hayes talk after the game? No, no, they no. didn't. He wasn't available. And what did Smith say about the situation? Uh, you mean in regards to the? I so mean, he his didn't kicking have, and missing in overtime, and I mean, he didn't. He didn't really have any, you know, you know, great kick and all that. He didn't really have any. There really wasn't much to say. I mean, you know, it was he just missed it. I mean, it's is what it is. I I I don't recall him saying anything specifically, you know, one way or another as far that led to the missed kick in the overtime. Um, I mean, he was obviously thrilled with the with the 60 yarder and now he knows he has that in his back pocket if, if he needs it again at some point. But I mean, it's just, like I said, it's, he, he needs somebody to step up and nobody really did the other night. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, we, we've, you know, those of us who covered Oregon have seen many kicker issues 
at different parts of the time. It's just, you know, you would hope you'd have someone who can be consistent with those mid-range kicks, but those aren't easy either, and it's tough to find those guys. I mean, it's just... I mean, he made a he made a game winner, you know, three whatever it was four weeks ago against Washington on the last yeah. play of the game. But that was a that was a chippy that was set up right in right in front of the goalpost, pretty much. But at least he had the experience of you know a pressure type kick, so you can't really give him that out either. He's he's been through that situation. So what year is he? He's a Sophomore. boy. Yeah, well, yeah, he's third. Yeah, third. Yeah, I have to always remember because of the free year last year. It's it it gets confusing, but uh, right. yeah, he's in his third year at Oregon State. So he's eight of eleven on the season. Four four twenty to twenty nine. Two of two forty to forty nine. One of two fifty plus. And then that thirty to thirty nine range seems to be his. Achilles heel right now. The the one is one out of three. Yeah, I mean he's a uh, he's gonna get better. He's a good he's a good kicker. I mean yeah. if you look if you look and I'm I'm look trying to find the number here real quick, but he's had uh, kickoffs. I mean virtually every one has gone. He's got uh, of fifty three kickoffs this year. Four, yeah, I mean between the between the punter and the kicker the they virtually don't have to worry about returns at all they i don't i don't think the i don't think the opposition at least going into the colorado game had not had not returned a punt for a single yard against oregon state this season i, I can't recall if that happened with uh uh it, it was colorado or not off the top of my head but but yeah the the the, the two kickers have been they they've been good in that such in the in the in the kickoff and punting situations, but again, still comes down mostly the offense and defense. So, and probably actually mostly the defense in this regard. But right, we one more we'll touch on defense real quick. Uh, you mentioned a little bit how they might do some things in terms of blitzing more or changing some you know game plan situations with the team is there anything personnel wise you can see them doing differently moving forward um you know at this stage it's hard to you know move from a you know a three four to something well else. i don't mean changing the entire scheme i mean like individual like is there yeah spots where so- i mean i i think that i mean i i've heard this said and i haven't watched enough of it to know but too often they've they've been getting linebackers um, stuck covering re- wide receivers, mm-hmm. and that's often a <laughs> that's often a mismatch. Um, you know that's probably something they'll take a look at. But I just think it's just going to be how much more aggressive can we afford to be and still and still get the job done in the back end. That that I think that's that's what it's going to come down to. I think because if you don't put pressure on a quarterback, even an you know, even a, an all-conference secondary is going to have trouble covering, you know, Pac-12 receivers. You, you, you can't just give quarterbacks all day to throw. They're, they're going to find somebody open at some point. And so I think that's probably where you'll see the the biggest change is how aggressive they decide they want to be and still be able to, you know, cover the field. Right. Okay. Uh, quick thoughts on Stanford. We we touched a little bit on it, but 
So Stanford right now, what, last in the league in total defense, last in scoring defense. If ever you're in a position to get right offensively, not that they've been horrible, they're last in run defense. <laughs> this is the team you run for over 300-plus yards on and just dominate. No? Well, it's like, a, you know, and I, I've, I wrote this today, and I reminded somebody else of this earlier. You know, Stanford lost 52-7 to to Utah, and and they look bad doing it. But two years ago, Oregon State did the same thing. Lost to Utah 52-7 to on their home field. Looked just like Stanford. Totally inept. Couldn't do a thing. Next week, they went down to Cal and won 21-17. So uh, that alone, you know, has to make you think, you know, you can't just take these guys for granted and think they're going to show up with the same team. They're not. David Shaw's proud. They have a proud program. They've, they've got good players at certain positions. The, their only issue, their, their biggest issue is they haven't stopped the run all season. So I don't know what they can do in a week's time. I mean, last week, I don't know if you saw, I mean, Utah had over 400, I think they had over 400 yards rushing or close to it in the first half. They ended up with three guys run over 100 yards. I mean, it was... Whew, it was it was hard to watch. So th- they'll do something. I don't know what it will be, but I, I don't expect that team to show up in Corvallis this week. So, but like I said, if they if Oregon State can't beat Stanford, I think five and seven is a real possibility. Now, if they do beat Stanford, then I think you know you feel good from you know, and and you look good doing it. Then stuff might open up. I mean, the the North isn't lost yet for Oregon State. It may seem like it's lost, but it's not lost yet. Let's say Oregon State runs the table. I mean, that's the only way they can that's the only way they could win it anyway. They have to run the table. Well, if they run the table and the Cougars lose one game, they play Oregon, they play Washington. The two teams that especially Washington, they historically have not been successful against. And say Oregon loses at Utah, Oregon State would win the win the North. I mean, it's not that. I mean, it's not that far fetched if if you say Oregon State runs the table, right? You don't need it. You don't need it. I, I'm just saying you don't need you know a million different out, uh, other things to happen right in order to pull it off. Yeah, you need to win out and then have Oregon lose Utah. Right. That's right. that's yeah. And, and Washington State's got to lose one. Yeah. Well, you're right. Yeah. yeah Oregon or Oregon. Yeah, yeah. If Oregon, if Oregon won out and lost Oregon State, or if right. they they lost to Utah but beat Washington State and then lost Oregon, yeah, it would be. Right. And they'd win the North, but I mean, that's really at this point, you're just trying to go. Let's get to six and then see what happens. But so I mean, there is stuff out there, but it's hard to be optimistic right now after the last two two games for sure. Yeah, extremely disappointing. I. M- I've changed my view every couple of weeks with this team because they've sort of presented a different view of themselves every couple of weeks. But right now, based on what I've seen, unless they turn the defense around, um, I do think they'll, I think they'll thump Stanford. I truly believe that'll be like a butt whooping. And then Arizona State to me is a coin toss and then they lose at Oregon. That's what well, they have been. Right I mean, they have been really good at home this year. They, they've been good right. at home. And it's, Two years ago, the, the last full season, they were a better team on the road than they were at home. But this year, they've 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 played well at home. Outside of the, you know, the first 
seven or eight minutes against Utah. They, 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 they've been good. So they're, you know, they still have two games at home. So there's still a shot to sweep the, sweep the home card and, you know, get to seven wins and then roll the dice against Oregon. All righty. I think that's it. Oh, soccer news, right? We got some soccer news. No? Well, yeah, there's, I mean, at, at Oregon State did lose to UCLA yesterday, three to two. Um, and UCLA is pretty good, but they're not, they're not in the top 10. Um, so Thursday it's in the, in the RPI, which is what the NCAA looks at when they, when they put together the, the, the playoff, uh, bracket. Washington's number one, Oregon State's number two, last game of the season. They're expecting a big crowd. If Oregon State ties or wins the game, they they win the conference outright. If they if they lose, then it's a then it's a shared title. Um but the bigger picture for Oregon State is is they'd like to get one of those top four seeds. And at this point they're, they're, they would probably be one of the top two seeds at this point. If they lose to Washington and don't look good doing it, they might fall to the top four. But but they have a good shot to get one of the top four seeds, which is huge because then yeah. you could play it. Then you play at home all the way until the till the tournament semifinals, and they're pretty good at home. So, um, yeah, it's kind of exciting times for uh, Oregon State soccer, and and we got basketball starting this week too. I know you're on the edge of your seat about that, so. <laughs> I will pay attention to Pac-12 basketball when the Pac-12 season starts and football's done because I just can't. Hey, it's your your Portland State Vikings against the Oregon State Beavers tomorrow night. Hey, I got Blazers on my my mind. Then I got a little bit of Ducks, a little bit of Beavers. Football, I just squeezing in basketball right now. I just college basketball, I just can't do it yet. Well, I really, I really can't either, but I got to. So, <laughs> but you got to exactly. Yeah. All right. Cool. Anything else? Uh, touch on about this this Beavers team, this football team. I, I thought one thing that was interesting today. I don't know how how you whiff on this, but Avery Roberts had eight tackles in the game on the stat sheet. Well, all of a sudden today he's got thirteen. They they what? missed five. They missed five. They missed five assisted, assist, five assisted tackles in the game. So he had a streak of uh, five consecutive double-digit uh, tackles, and now he's got six because he went from eight to 13. It also puts him in the – he's one of four players now in, in the FBS that have over 100 tackles this season. So, And yet wow. he's not – and yet he's not among the finalists for the Butkus Award. So Bias. They, they are very outraged at Oregon State that Aunt Avery Roberts is not on that list of, I think it's 16 players or something like that. No, no Sewell's on there, but not Avery Roberts. So is it, is it over? You can't. You, well, I mean, what's, 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 play, what, right? I mean, I guess you could add them to you it at three? some, but I don't, but I don't think they oh, do. The finalists I, have been set. Yeah, they've been sad. Oh, they they announced week? they announced it last week. I mean, he leads that's the Pac twelve. He's the Pac twelve leader by by quite a bit, I think, um, wow. in tackles. But no, he's not one of the fun. And there's like I think there's three players from the Pac twelve that are on the on the uh, among the finalists. So anyway, I'll give him a. They'll give him something to play and give him a little extra motivation or something. So. 
All right, that's it for the Beaver Banter Podcast. Be sure to click that subscribe button. We will be back next week for a recap of Oregon State versus Stanford and then a look ahead at the Arizona State game. Hopefully, we will be talking about a bull-bound team. I say that with all respect to objectivity, but I do not want to see the Beavers blow this. I think it will be good for the state. And I want to see them get back into the bull world. I'm Aaron Fentress. Thanks for listening. He is Nick Daschle. We'll be back next week.